Pastor Xavier Reese explains the difference between saints and ain'ts. Notice the basis of the sainthood is in Christ. Don't miss that. Now God calls you a saint. God calls me a saint. That's okay. You start calling yourself Saint John or something, we might have some problems, but you know, when God calls you a saint, that's all right. A saint is not a person who has been canonized by a group of religious men, but one who has trusted Christ for his or her salvation wholeheartedly and trust on that and that alone. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, it's clear from Scripture that God views His followers as saints, but it's not altogether clear what's meant by that. Well, sainthood's an interesting um, concept because God declares us saints based on what His Son, Jesus Christ, has done. The literal word comes from the Greek root hagios, which means sanctify, set apart, sanctification. And we have been set apart for the work of God and for God Himself based on the fact that we trusted the atoning work of Jesus Christ for our salvation. As you know, Colossians says that in Him we're complete. In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him dwells the sum total of deity. It's His atoning work alone grace and faith, no one else. And so when a person trusts the Lord for salvation, they're trusting that Christ became sin for the world and that he received the penalty of my sin and he died in my place. And then the receipt of that, that the payment was accepted by the Father was that the Father raised him from the dead. And therefore he said on the cross, it is finished. The cross is the payment. And therefore, I rest in the work of God. And He transforms my life, and He helps me grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ from day to day, from glory to glory by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so, there's no basis for glory. We rest in Him. Now, some of you will be listening to the studies. We encourage you to write to us, to email us. And some of you news stations, we want to hear from you. The reason is simple. We want to be good stewards of God's money. And if God is blessing you, we want to continue. We look at radio as missions. We reach out to those of you perhaps do not have all the teaching you would desire or are able to get. And we just allow God to use the ministry. But we need to hear from you. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. We're not asking for money. We will never ask you for money. But we need to hear from you. So, uh, we would encourage you to drop us a note so that we know that God is using this program. Yes, it would be an encouragement to hear from those of you who have been ministered to by the teaching you hear each day on Simple Truths. Now to email, it's simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. Now our mailing address is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll be repeating those at the close of the broadcast today. But for now, let's get right into the study for today from Colossians chapter 1. Well, Mark Twain said that a lie makes its way all the way around the world before truth ever gets its boots on. That is so true. If you've done any traveling in the world with the eyes of a Christian, particularly in doing ministry, you will be amazed at the inroads that the cults have and how quick the lies get there. When we were in Bulgaria, the doors had just opened into going in, 
And it didn't take much for all the cults and all the pornography and all the junk to come through. Every time. We're in a fallen world. The appeal is to that which is not of God. And how true this is particular in terms of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul the apostle here in the book of Colossians had great conflict for the Colossians and those of Laodicea because false teaching had entered into the church and it was endangering their faith in the very gospel. The false teaching dealt with a form of early Gnosticism which saw all matter as evil and spirit being good. Therefore, they were denying that God created the world, but that in fact emanations or aeons went out from God and one got so far out from God that it was the one responsible for the creation and that's how matter came about. And since God is spirit and matter is evil, God cannot occupy matter. So you can see the logical progression how Jesus having a physical body could not be God, right? Because it's matter, therefore he can't be God. The results of such a teaching always ends up in two extremes. You have legalism or asceticism, which tries to deny the body by neglecting it. And then you have licentiousness by saying, well, matter is evil, spirit is good, so let's just serve God in spirit, and hey, matter is matter, no big deal. Everybody wants to die like a saint, but they want to live like the devil. You can't have both. The false teaching attacked the humanity as well as the deity of Jesus Christ, though Colossians focuses on the deity, but they're both linked together. They were saying that Jesus was less than God, and Paul is going to show that he was God himself, nothing less than that. The epistle to the Colossians is an incredible letter. We get things here about Jesus Christ that we get nowhere else. And so for our study, what we want to do is look at the salutation, the greeting of Paul to the Colossians. Uh, let me read it to you, and I'll give you our points. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brethren, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The salutation and greeting is identified by three things. First, the writer. Verse 1. Second, the recipient, beginning of verse 2. And then thirdly, the regards, the rest of verse 2. Let's begin here with the writer. The writer is identified in three ways in verse 1. First, Paul declares his credentials. The name by which he went by was Paul. Prior to his conversion, his name was Saul, which means ask or inquire, most likely after King Saul of the Old Testament. The name Paul means small or little. The form of its derivative is the verb pao, which means to pause, stop, restrain, or to come to an end. What a beautiful picture of what is to take place in every one of our lives as we come to Jesus Christ and we come to the end of ourselves. We cease from depending on ourselves and we become small before the eyes of God. Paul understood. We just finished studying Philippians, and you know his credentials, you know his background, and he said, after all that, a Pharisee of Pharisees, circumcised the eighth day, and so on and so forth, all the way, and he says, and I count all those things as a pile of manure. I like Paul. 
He let nothing get in the way of Jesus Christ, nothing to be placed before Christ. You remember John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase in John 3.30. That's the principle for every Christian, for every laborer in the, in the harvest. Now, the office he held was that of an apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice that. The term apostle, as you know, means one sent out in authority and in power of the one who sends him. Paul was an ambassador of Jesus Christ. The messenger and authority was not his own, but that of Jesus Christ. Jesus was his source of authority, and the message of Paul was Jesus and him crucified. Jesus was the enabler. He Later on, he tells us in chapter 1 that he put him in the ministry. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Of God. Now the scriptures tell us that Jesus chose 12 disciples after an entire night in prayer in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. The requirements of those 12 were given to us in Acts 1, 21 and 22. The requirement was that, first of all, they would be with Jesus from his baptism, and second of all, they would see him after the resurrection as he ascended from the Mount of Olives. Now, Matthew was picked in Acts, the opening chapters by lot some believe that it was a mistake and that in fact paul was the 12th apostle it's not going to send you to hell if you believe that it's not going to send you to hell if you don't believe that but we want to be as close to scripture as possible paul didn't meet either requirement of acts he was not with jesus from his baptism and he certainly did not see him after the resurrection in terms of there though he did see him in Acts 9, when he met him on the road to Damascus, and a couple of the times that he tells us. But let's look at the words of Paul, because he, he says much about his apostleship, and he never calls himself the 12, and he certainly could have done that, especially in Galatians, and particularly in Corinthians. In Romans eleven thirteen 13 says, I am an apostle to the Gentiles. He, he calls himself an exclusive apostle, particularly to the Gentiles. Who was sent to the Jews? Peter. 1 Corinthians 9, 2. He says, if I'm not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are you in the Lord. Because the Corinthians were all puffed up, saying that he was a second-rate apostle. 1 Corinthians 15, 8, he says, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of time, out of due time. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, he calls himself the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because... He persecuted the church, yet by God's grace, he had been called to be an apostle. He says, I am nothing behind the most eminent apostle, though I am nothing in 2 Corinthians 12, 11. Always proper perspective. And then finally, he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 7, that he was ordained a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Here it is again, of the Gentiles. I personally believe that Paul was a distinct and very special apostle apart from the twelve. Because I don't see it in Scripture. You don't believe it, it's all right. You'll be in heaven with me too. No problem. Now, notice secondly, Paul declared his call to the ministry. He had been chosen by God on the road to Damascus, as you know. He was on his way to persecute Christians and bring them back in chains to Jerusalem in Acts 9. He defended his call to the Galatians and said he was an apostle 
not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ in Galatians 1.1. Remember, he was all mad at the Galatians. I mean, he was upset. There is no thanksgiving. There is no prayer. He just jumps right in there. And he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? If we or an angel come to you and preach any other gospel, let him be anathema, the strongest damnation of the word in the Greek. He includes himself if he deviates from the gospel. He describes it before he was even born. Listen, Galatians 1.15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Jeremiah says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Do you realize that God knew you and by your salvation before you were even conceived while you were in there? As you came forth, he knew you. He made it clear that it was not due to any value or worth of his own. We just finished studying Philippians, Philippians 3.9. He says, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. All of his accolades, all of his achievements. He said, Christ is superior. Paul, even in bonds, because that's what he is right here, is in prison, considered himself to be in accord with God's will and divine appointment. Remember in Philippians 1.12, he says, I'm here by divine appointment. By the way, the guys of Caesar's household, the Praetorium Guard, say, hi, they're getting saved. <laughs> Interesting. He called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ, never of Rome, Ephesians 3.1. He is in prison right now. He wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon at the same time. Those are three prison epistles that go together. They're called prison epistles. And he says that he was there by divine appointment to further the kingdom of God. The Lord told Ananias, if you recall, in Acts 9, 15 through 16, that God had chosen Paul to be a vessel to bear his word before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, and that he would show him how many great things he had to suffer for his name's sake. Are you saying that maybe God's called me to suffer? Could be. Can you handle it? God does call some to suffer more than others. Why? He must really trust you. He must really have an incredible work for you. But if we all expect to reign with him, Paul says later on, we will suffer with him, he tells Timothy. Don't expect the world to embrace Christianity or Christians. When the world accepts Christianity and Christians, it's really a bad sign. Maybe we become so much like the world that they can't even tell the difference. We have to be careful. Paul demonstrates his humility here by declaring that God had called him, enabled him, and not himself or any man. He is nothing in himself. He has nothing to boast in fact, he tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why are you boasting? Notice thirdly, Paul declared his companion to be Timothy. He is mentioned 25 times in his epistles and six times in the book of Acts. His name means he who honors God, a beautiful name. He was taken by Paul on his second missionary journey in the book of Acts 16, and his mom was a Jew's. And his father was a Greek. And therefore, Paul, knowing the hassles the Jews would get him as his practice was to go to the synagogue, he circumcised Timothy. Not because it was a requirement for Christians, because he was a Jew by his mother. If your mother's a Jew, you're a Jew through your mother, not your father. That's the law. He was with Paul. 
for much of his fishing ministry. Acts 19 gives you that record. Yet Paul said that Timothy was a spiritual son because he had come to Christ through his ministry. He was a servant approved. He was like-minded. And when it came to caring for the church, he had no one like Timothy. Philippians 2, 19 and 22, if you remember. No one like him. Now, try to think of all the people that were with Paul. No one like Timothy. And yet you and I probably would have never chosen Timothy. We say he's a wimp. Guy's always sick. We walk into Corinth and he's shaking, looking around. What? I don't want him with me. Paul sent him as his troubleshooter to Corinth to put him in remembrance of Paul's ways in 1 Corinthians 4.17. As a matter of fact, Paul left them as the pastor of Ephesus in 1 Timothy 1.3. Ephesus was a heavy ministry, a lot of opposition, many adversaries. Take note of Paul's humility. Though an apostle, he identifies himself as a brother with Timothy and the Colossians, revealing that he was not acting alone, nor that what he was going to say was his own opinion. That is so good. This isn't something, I don't have anything against you. This isn't just my own little opinion. This is serious business, and many of us have seen it. We agree upon it. Listen well what we have to say. So good. Paul never went out alone. He always surrounded himself with men being accountable. When people want to do ministry alone, they get themselves in trouble. Charles Spurgeon said, He that should take on himself to be a policeman and go out and do the work of arresting others without having received the commission, must be in danger of being taken up himself or being a deceiver. Let me propose to you that there are many people who stand behind a pulpit who have never been called, and the people suffer. Now, you as a congregation are not pastors, but how do you use whatever credentials you have as a Christian towards people? How do you view your call in the body of the church? Do you see it due to your own ability? The work that goes on in this church is far beyond my ability or capacities. I do nothing but pray, study, and teach you and disciple people and oversee. And there are things that get taken care of here that the ministry would not run if they don't. There's hundreds of people that are involved during the services doing things that I have no way of knowing how they do it and how they can do it. They do it. And I thank God for them. Paul, as the writer, identified his authority to the Colossians from the very beginning. Now notice secondly here, the recipients are also identified in three ways. In verse 2, first, Paul declared their credentials. So now he does the same thing on their side. He addresses his letter to the saints. The identification of saints should not shock us. The word Saint Hagios means to be set apart. Many times it is used in particular for God's use in the scriptures. The word sanctify, sanctification, sanctification, holy and saint are all the same root. The ones who by their repentance now live in purity, dignity, and honor to God. Those are the saints. I've always told you there's two types of people in the world, saints and ain'ts. And if you're not a saint, you're an ain't. A saint is not a person who has been canonized by a group of religious men based on their past record of performing miracles or special deeds, but one who has trusted Christ for his or her salvation wholeheartedly and trusts on that and that alone. 
The Catholic Church canonizes many saints. I was devastated when I was young and they kick St. Christopher out. They found out he wasn't a saint or something. Those are man's concepts. Study the scriptures as to the saints at Ephesus, the saints at Colossae, to the saints Philippi, the saints, saints. Now, God calls you a saint. God calls me a saint. That's okay. You start calling yourself Saint John or something, we might have some problems. But, you know, when God calls you a saint, that's all right. But if you like that, then live up to it. Set yourself apart. Okay? It's like being married. You're sanctified. You're a saint to your wife. You're set apart for her, for him, no one else. Your private property. This speaks of God's divine call to salvation. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you in John 15, 16. Notice the basis of the sainthood is in Christ. Don't miss that. In Christ. Paul had heard of their faith, as we've seen in chapter 1, verse 4. Paul points out their hope laid up in heaven based on Christ in verse 5 of chapter 1. Paul says they heard the truth of the gospel and received it in chapter 1, verse 6. And then Paul calls it the mystery of the gospel. Listen, Christ in you, the hope of glory, in chapter 1, verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, Gentiles, the hope of glory. The Jew never imagined that. Gentiles can be saved? I don't know. They thought the Gentiles were created just to kill the fires of hell. Notice, secondly, Paul declares their common bond. They were faithful. The word faithful means believing. Faith is active, and by their believing, they were demonstrating that. They had become, as a matter of fact, in chapter 1, verse 12, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, he says. In chapter 1, verse 13, they had been delivered from the power of darkness and transferred them into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In verse 14, they had been redeemed through His blood and forgiven of sins. In chapter 1, verse 24, they had become part of His body, his church. In chapter 2, verse 10, they had become new men, new women. In chapter 3, verse 12, they were the elect of God. Just to mention a few things. But notice also, they were brethren. Don't miss that. Though Paul is an apostle, he is also a saint and brother with them, believing in Christ and his work for their salvation. But to the fact that they all have the same what? Father. He's no different He's no different than them. That's important. Rather than being defensive as if he wanted to lord over them, they would see his love for them, his humility and common relationship in the family of God with the same Father. Clearly declaring from the very beginning of the letter God's direct relationship to us who are matter and he's spirit that it was an emanations. And that God who is spirit can have personal intimate relationship with people who are matter. Notice they and the saints who were believing at Colossae were in union and communion with God and each other for they were all brethren in Christ. And there's the key. Don't miss it. In Christ. This is the common identity between all saints. In Christ was due to the fact that they had received the gospel. In Christ, they continued in the gospel. In Christ now, they were believing to receive this letter as they first received the gospel to contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints according to Jude 3. In faith. 
Pastor Xavier Reese brings us back around to where our discussion started today, the real meaning of sainthood according to what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. Now, even though there's much more to come from today's message next time, we can make the complete unedited study available today. It's simply called A Loving Shepherd. We can send you a copy on CD for just $4. Now, once again, the title to ask for is A Loving Shepherd, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And remember to use the same address to send in your word of encouragement to Pastor Xavier for the radio ministry of Simple Truths. Or if you prefer email, you can address that to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. We'd love to hear from you today. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station, however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. Crime, abortion, same-sex marriage, hot issues of our day, to be sure. But next time, Pastor Xavier Reese discusses an even more devastating concern to mankind. Join us for more Simple Truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com